Live and direct. Live and direct. What? You know what live and direct is? <laughs> it is the Running With War show. Special dedication to all those who keep it bouncing. And we're rocking here on YouTube live and direct. The bouncers are in full formation. Drew Stevens, Chris Pennant, Joshua M. Hicks, and yours truly, truly yours, Kyle Means. We are RegalRadio.com is the home war on anchor. You'll be able to hear this podcast on there. Clean and edit it for your pleasure later. But you're getting it rough and raw now with no type of uh, interruption. <laughs> Yo, Regal Radio after dark, dude. Oh, man, look at that cookie you drinking from, man. <laughs> now, that's where, that's I, I didn't know things. where he was going to take that, bro. I was really skeptical. Man. I didn't know if you were going to give a shout out to Trojan Nation or what, because you, you was... Kyle <laughs> is fully in the dance hall right now, man. Yeah, I swear. <laughs> We getting we getting it in, man. Like uh, that's a like bounty killer. Like uh, I mean, uh, Kali buds. Yeah, dance hall rhythms. That's the that's that stuff with you gotta you gotta they, well, you gotta bounce the girl off you like they do in in Kingston. They, they don't have no respect to yeah. You don't have the girl up above your head. They don't have no respect for you down in Kingston, man. <laughs> That's true. You gotta punish the girls if she wanna dance with you <laughs> on the dance hall. Maybe anyway. get some unexpected sponsors off this uh, podcast episode. Right. <laughs> hey, I don't I don't do it. We ain't wait, I, it says below support this podcast. If you want some sponsors, you know, go ahead and support us. If you wanna you wanna tell me something that I that you know you want me to you know clean up my act, give me some money. That's what I gotta say. Simple. All right, Joe Button. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's that's right. I he been spitting some real facts, man, on that show. He was, he was. And we on Spotify too. I think we got to take up in arms with our brother Joe, because they ain't giving us nothing either. I ain't even got a I ain't even got a fake Rolex from him. Man, this give me a this give me a Rolex, and, and <laughs> I'll I'll be on Spotify. I do spot I do shows on Spotify for ten years, holidays and everything. <laughs> Give me one Rolex. I ain't What's got up? nothing. Get some man. stock options, man. Something. Yeah, we give me some stocks, man. Sure. I, ain't, I ain't, let me let me just let me just get on to what we got to do, man. This is the Running with War show, and as you see, the guys are here. And uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've actually talked basketball. Last week we didn't talk much about basketball itself. We talked more about stuff that basketball got into. And it was, you know, a particularly poignant show, I would say. And I'm like I said, I'm glad that we did that show. And I'm glad that uh I hope that our listeners and stuff uh you know got you know felt what we were doing and you know got to understand where we were coming from. And uh you know there's always more important things at hand and you know just because we get on here we talk about ball don't mean that we forgot about anything. Or that we're overlooking anything. It's just that we like to talk about ball, and we're always conscientious observers 
and uh, participators in, in the struggle as well. So, you know, whenever we got to bring that stuff back up, we will be uh, more than willing to. But, you know, today we're just going to get back to some good old basketball talk, try to touch all of our main bases that we get into. You know, of course, we got the, the playoffs with the, the NBA is pretty much in the second round now with the, of the playoffs. We're going to do a quick look back at the at the first round and how everything ended and uh, maybe look ahead at the at the four series that are left, the semifinal series in the West and the East. Uh, of course, you got a uh, you got some interesting stuff to talk about with the sky. They just got off off the court down in Florida, took a loss to Minnesota, but uh, they've got some you no, know, they've had some good stuff too. They they clinched the playoff spot. You know, uh, Vanderswoot is continuing her MVP campaign and set a a, a league record for most assists in the game earlier this week. We're gonna get into that. And her, you know, her wife, Allie Quigley, is has set a new record for. She's now the leading scorer in the franchise's history. So, uh, you know, a lot of cool stuff has happened with the sky. So we're gonna get into that as well. And I guess we could touch upon the Bulls some as well, just for uh, you know uh, observances' sake. Uh, you know, they there's been some more rumors about new head coaching candidates, and there's. You know, there's always some talk about some uh, trades and stuff, uh, you know, trades in the draft. And, of course, draft, uh, you know, draft picks who who can be, uh, you know, who, who's possible for them at, at that number four spot and everything. So maybe, maybe we'll get into a little bit of that before the end of the show as well. But starting off, uh, you know, game, uh, like I say, we're getting into the second round games in the NBA. Uh, already in the East, you've had you you have you'll have both series uh, two games into their their series after tonight. Boston is up 2-0 on uh, Toronto, and uh, do we have do we have the score on many on um, Milwaukee and Miami tonight? I've got one thirteen one oh seven with forty three seconds to go, but that's that's the Google um, board, so that might be behind. Yeah, who, who's it's, up? It's it's twenty seconds right now. Uh, Miami's up one thirteen one oh seven with okay. twenty seconds left in the game. Well, okay, that's yeah. We'll have to get to that in a second because that that may be looking like LeBron and ten right now, but you know. <laughs> Where he, you know, he just ran off the court and threw that Cleveland jersey off. You know, we may, um, we may see a sequel to that, but we'll we'll get into that in a minute. But in the West, their uh, second game seven coming up tonight. They that will fill out the semifinal slate there, either uh, Oklahoma or uh, Houston. And um, just let's off top, you know, let's. You know, just tip something off up top. What are you guys looking at in that series? And, you know, who, who do you think has the advantage going into this game seven? You know, who do you, who do you expect to see go on to uh, face the Lakers? I mean, I think I'm banking OKC to win this series. Um, they have the momentum. Um, they have the leadership. And quite frankly, it's – 
this is one of the things that's been question marks when it comes to Russell Westbrook and James Harden's game is can they close out in big moments? And that's something that James Harden has struggled with, and that's something that Russell Westbrook has struggled with. And you saw in the last game when it came to crunch moments in the fourth quarter, they both had uh, terrible uh, fourth quarters, and Russ had set five turnovers, I want to say. James had a couple um, turnovers. So at this point, you got to trust – who, who do you want the ball in the hands when the crunch times the most? And it seems like Chris Paul is the most reliable person. And that's who I'd rather go with in game sevens like this. So and I, I'm just intrigued on how they're going to, how it will end as well, just because Chris Paul never actually played in the last game seven series with Houston when, you know, they played against Golden State. He got hurt in game six, so he couldn't finish out the series. And from that point on, he never really experienced another game seven. Um, so I just wanted to see how this Chris Paul is going to come out in game seven and how he's going to rally up the young guys within that OKC Thunder um, locker room. And quite frankly, this is the game for uh, Dort. I forgot his first name, but Dort. Oh, Lugan Dort. This is, this, this is his game for him because we already know he's going to bring it defensively. But if he can at least knock down a couple of those threes, that increases the Thunder, Thunder's chances of winning. And if he does that tonight, I'm, I'm pretty much guaranteeing and thinking that OKC is going to win this thing. So that's my bet. That's my pick. And I'm and I'm excited to see how this going to go down because I think it's not going to go down without a fight. But, it, you know, I was going to say, like you said, Paul maybe has an advantage in these games. You, you cleaned it up, though, because, you know, he, I, he doesn't have the best record when it comes to game sevens. He does. He's had some good performances and clutch moments in the playoffs. He's had a long enough playoff record. But, you know, I think it will be important to see how he plays and, you know, who, who does pick him up from from that that rotation. Will it be, you know, someone like Dort? Will will Gallinari have another good good performance? I think they I, – I think it would be nice if Oklahoma doesn't have to depend on Paul to score like they did in uh, game six in particular. I think we had that – he had to, to kind of push them over the edge there. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting uh, pairing there because, like I said, on one side you have Paul, but you also have uh, you, you have the, the heartache that Houston has had, especially in the, in the, in the Beard era. You know, you know who's going to negate who more? You know, who's, whose history is – who's going to shake off their history better? Is it going to be uh, – Paul or Westbrook or, or or Harden, you know who's you know who's going to be able to just get past that and break through. But Chris, do you want to step in? Uh, this is this has got to be the game where Russell Westbrook proves that he can do it without KD by his side and without without um, forcing himself on the game. You know, I don't know that that's weird to say in basketball, right? Because you have players who take over games we we glorify that especially in the playoffs Durant LeBron Chris Paul the way he played uh, with Houston against Golden State he took over those games he took over that game that last game against um, Houston the other night it just feels like Russ forces it's like he's trying to fit a square peg into a round hole when he's not going well and you got to find another way to impact correctly I guess I think OKC's got it just Man, what Chris Paul said in that post game, that cut real deep. That was the 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 partner that you had and they left and they said, Oh, I'm so much better over here. And that's going from Houston to Oklahoma City, first of all. Like that's 
No disrespect to my Oklahoma people. That's a downgrade in terms of cities. <laughs> and for Chris Paul to say that is so disrespectful. But maybe he's right. Maybe James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook together. Maybe that – this is the indictment of that Houston system. This is the final indictment of that Daryl Morey Houston system to me if they fail at this point because that's the first-round exit without Chris Paul, who was that mid-range closer that they truly needed against Golden State. They didn't get it done when they had the chance. And other times when they had when they had a chance against Golden State, when they had the chance against the best in the league, they couldn't get it done. So they need to get it done tonight, or that's it. I don't think they'll move James Harden yet, but I don't think that's I think that's it for that core that they've had operating around James Harden if they lose that game tonight. They tried just about everything they could try there. So you, I, I think that's a good that's good analysis, Chris. It's like what else can you do? With Harden at the center, you've already you shrunk the team down. You've had you've had tall. You had a big team. You had a small team. You know you've had you've let him score fifty points a game almost to try to win. You've you've had him pass and try to average triple doubles. You know what else can you do besides get rid of him or get rid of him and D'Antoni or get rid of I don't know if get rid of D'Antoni will even be enough, but. For the reasons you guys just stated, uh, my heart wants OKC to move on and face the Lakers, but I think that um, Harden and Westbrook, Dan Tony, the whole team, I think they got one more in them to at least advance to this next round. Um, I absolutely hate Westbrook's basketball IQ. I think he takes terrible shots late in games. I think he makes terrible decisions late in games. I think I heard Stephen A. Smith calling the most athletic point guard ever, and I took exception to that being from Chicago and watching D. Rose for so many years because D. Rose is almost the antithesis because he wasn't necessarily stocking with the ball, but he wasn't so reckless either. Um, but I do think that they have enough tonight at least uh, to go ahead and move past. I can't see Harden going five minutes in the fourth quarter or late in the game without touching the ball or taking a shot like he did in that game six. Um, so I got them going up against the Lakers next round. That's what my that's what my head is telling me. And I think the small ball will get them one or two games against the Lakers, believe it or not, but it's pretty much a wrap, man. They, they need to do something, figure something else out. Um, I think I read something today that, that spoke to how CP3 was actually on paper a better fit um, alongside James Harden than Westbrook is. But even still, something just was off. So to your point, Kyle, it's, it's looking like Harden can't be that number one guy, but then who do you put him with? Because he's such a ball-dominant – he can be such a ball-dominant player. I know that season with CP3, I think his assists shot up to like five or six a game, but I don't know, man. They, they got to figure some things out like a lot of other teams in the league. Well, I, I'm not partial to either team. I think, like you say, I think they're just both for teams are just fodder for L.A., cannon fodder for the Lakers. But, uh, you know, I, I just go with y'all. Y'all y'all picking Oklahoma, so <laughs> we might as well be unanimous on that. I, it would be kind of interesting that to see Oklahoma – they're more youthful, energetic team. Uh, I like to see some more of those of those guys, like you know Shea Gil Gildas Alexander, and you know see how uh, they do in a more pressurized situation against the prohibitive favorite. And uh, yeah, Houston just like 
they kind of need to get out the paint, man. It's just like, you know, what else are you, you know, how much time do we, do we really have to spend with that team, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll ride with y'all. Let's, let's see Oklahoma win. They'll probably lose because of this, but we'll see if they – we'll see if they can pull it off and, and uh, pull out a game seven. And I'm, I'm more than anything, I'm just hoping that the game seven – as a whole game is better than the last one that we saw yesterday. The end, the end was nice. It was, you know, it was uh, thrilling as it were, but the, the game didn't live up. Denver and uh, Utah didn't live up to the rest of the series. So you guys got any thoughts on that one? You know, Denver pulls it out, you know, Murray and uh, Mitchell, neither one had a particularly a uh, good game, not again, not living up to the games they had earlier in the series, but uh, it was more. It seemed to be more of a battle in the post with Jokic and and Gobert, and uh, Jokic, you know, so, sort of got the edge on that one and had a nice game. Thirty, I think, believe thirty points and fourteen rebounds, and uh, you know, really just showing what type of X factor, sort of a mix between being an X factor and an MVP type dude when he really gets on his stuff. But uh, you know, Denver Denver advances to the Clippers, and I think a lot of people are probably not looking at Denver as a good matchup for the Clippers. But what what do you guys think about that? My real quick thing, just um, that was a for Denver to move forward is is really huge for them after getting so close to the conference finals last year. And I know yeah. that's saying that was the, this is first round, and that was the second round. But this was a grinder of a series between two young and hungry teams who, given LeBron's age and even with Kawhi and Paul George still relatively young in the West, this is going to be open depending on whenever the red wine and, and magic runs out for for Bron's body, whenever that is, whether it's 2030 or if it's in a couple years. So I, Jamal Murray is, is truly evolving. Nikola Jokic is still getting better. And it's almost... I, is, we wanted more, but we should have expected what the game that we got an 80 to 78 game in game seven. This is not a clunker. Those teams are tired, you know, <laughs> they're, they're tired and they got a hell of a lot on their minds. So we we shouldn't have really looked for Murray and Mitchell to go off uh, for another 50 or 40 plus even. But the fact that um, Denver was able to utilize Nikola Jokic in such a way that he could have, a, as you said, Kyle, an X factor series deciding game speaks to Mo, my, both his ability, Mike Malone as a coach, and the fact that the Denver Nuggets are moving up to that next, I think they're firmly in that second echelon of contention. Um, consider, depending on what happens with Portland, they could be the, the, the jobber to the stars for the, to the two Los Angeles teams. And depending on every, if there's a year where the things fall right for them, Sneak into the finals with a team like that. Yeah, and we uh, talk. You talk about sneaking in the finals. We gonna. I, I want to get into that in the East because I, I think there's one team that could be doing that as we speak. But uh, it'll be interesting if the if Denver matches that other team. I'll, I'll reveal that in a in minute when we get over to the East. But, but one thing before uh, Drew and Josh, before you jump in, I, I Chris, I want to get your opinion on this right quick because you mentioned what the guys are going through in the in the bubble right now and they're going through a lot emotionally and spiritually but i think on a on a strict physical level too uh do you think that maybe 
some of the numbers that we've had because the numbers were so high, the shooting was so good and in the lead up games and then the first round, do you think that that stuff will maybe even out a bit as we go forward? I think, I think there's a possibility that things will get a little tighter in the rounds to come. And and that game seven that we saw may be, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, precluding that, you know, what, what, what do you think, Chris? It's hard to say without a medical background, but you you would expect some more fatigue given the long layoff that they had coming back in, um, even with the, the games that they did play to close out the, the regular season, so to speak. And then going into the playoffs, the Lakers closed out their series early. They, they closed out in five. Uh, same with Milwaukee, even though they've disappointed these first two. So they, those teams got some rest, but I think just that break in the season, especially a break where you didn't have much to – you couldn't really do anything, you couldn't keep in shape, and then being expected to come back with, you know, some warm, with some warm-up, getting back into practice, and then coming right into the bubble, and then going right into the playoffs. It's just weird. I think, I think these, these players, especially the veterans, have been attuned to a certain rhythm, a yeah. certain um, – cadence to their to their season and off season that to break that is going to affect them somewhat now i don't know i don't know if the games will necessarily be tighter or less high scoring or anything like that just because of the way that the nba is right you know you shoot a lot of threes you take a lot of shots at the basket and you try to draw as many fouls as you can so i don't think we're going to see i don't think we're going to see such a dramatic lowering of scoring from the regular season even even though it's the playoffs but I wouldn't be surprised, to your point, Kyle, if we see um, lower scoring or tighter tighter games going forward from here. I wouldn't be surprised. And we may see more less efficient games. Even if guys get off points, they may have to do it. With, need to do it with more shots. Because you know, as far as the scheduling goes, in in the in typical playoffs, even if you don't have you you would have stretches because of TV where. You know, regardless of where you finished your series, like you could finish your series in four or five games, it may have like a week and a half off at times if a if a opposing series goes seven. But or you may have you may have a series that goes six, seven, and you still will have like a weekend off or something, like three or four days transitioning to another series. But they're pretty much sticking by the every other day schedule with these bubble games because they gotta get these games out the way. Cause they're playing them in freaking September. So, you know, that, I think that's going to affect the guys too. And, and, you know, as we get further along, but you know, that, and that could be one of the things that, you know, when we talked earlier about how much are you going to honor the champions that come out of this bubble, you know, the, the, the champions who, the people who finish at the end in this, in this bubble may be, among the most challenged champions that we've seen in modern times because, like, you're really doing something that a lot of teams didn't have to do in regards to strenuous physical exertion and the schedule that you're keeping up and, you know, living on on the back lot of Walt Disney for three months. Like, who wants to do that? Even if you got your fam there for half the time, you know, they're starting to put the, bring the families in now, but you know, it's, it's 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 rough. You know, even as an NBA guy, with all the amenities you may have around. To that point, I think uh, 
it's not so much physical exhaustion as it is, you know, mental and emotional coming off that last week where it really wasn't yeah. a certainty that they were going to restart the season again. Um, yeah. So, so much that, stuff in their heads right now. Yeah, I, think that, I think that had more to do with what we saw in game seven between the, the Nuggets and the Jazz than just sheer physical fatigue. Because you also got to understand, or not understand, you also got to remember that, you know, these guys aren't having to travel city to city. They get to stay in one spot, which is, you know, very unique to the, to the playoffs as we all understand. So it's just a different type of stress going on right now. And I guess we, you know, we saw Paul George admit to that. Um, was that a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago? Just the the, the mental anguish, the depression he was kind of feeling uh, in that game one series. He was taking a lot of criticism. And I think it just, it's a lot, man. We, I think we tend to forget these athletes are human beings at the end of the day, man. They, they're going through a lot of the same things we are. Um, and we have to consider that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it seemed like Murray. Sorry, Josh, but it seemed like Murray has taken a lot in as much as anyone. So it'll be interesting to see how he progresses, and you know, is he is is it going to be too much for him at any point, or is he going to rise to the occasion, keep rising to the occasion? He's already has risen to the occasion, but you know, go ahead, Josh. No, I mean speaking on Jamal Murray, um, like you mentioned, I mean even in his interview, post game interview with uh, Scott Van Pelt, he was like. Wait, we play two days from now. Like, we, <laughs> yeah. we don't have rest. So you can tell though. You can tell just from that the mental and physical exhaustion is going through. And like you mentioned, it'll be another challenge for him to take. But they're gonna get a little bit of a boost because you mentioned. You know, families are coming through. Some of these players ain't coming just to have family. They coming to make families. Brothers gonna get busy. I think I, they gonna bring people in there to <laughs> relieve themselves. I what, mean, is, what is in the water tonight? So I'm just being. I'm just being honest. You're going through all that stress. With the bu- with, within the bubble, you can't go nowhere. You're very limited. You're playing games every other day, including practices. Not to mention, the food at one point was terrible, and you have to get that back together. And you can't see nobody else but your teammates 24-7? Bro, somebody's going to let it loose. Man. I'm just being honest. Someone's going to get it. So this may be the this may be the key to where you got a different – you may have a different playoff P and Paul George or any other or anyone else in that mug just to – this is, a, this is a nice little boost. This could be a nice little boost for them. So you never know. That's why as, I'm as very KRS, intrigued of this. As KRS-1 once said, the P is free now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you say they're getting them conjugal visits, huh, Josh? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get they, 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 are, they, they have Trojan Nation going on in their minds right now. So you just never know. He was going to get that off no matter what. <laughs> it, it's bound to happen at this point. I won't be surprised. There's a lot of single brothers up in there that need some, that want, that need some loving, too. So you never know. Yeah, are, are the single brothers getting one girl that they could bring in? Are they getting a, a – a, a, yeah. I think, they they, a, I think they can get a guest in there. I, they said that, I think they can yeah. bring one guest. So that one, one guest. guest is going to be somebody good. I'm pretty sure they'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> They gonna sneak in some best friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, Sweet Lou working on getting two guests in. So <laughs> and and, and they're gonna bring the wings with them. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. What, what what do we think about uh the matchup though? Let's talk about Sweet Lou and them and them clippers. Uh 
are, are they the prohibitive favorite against Denver, or do you think Denver could, could bring something to them? I think they're still the prohibitive favorites, but it's going to be a lot more difficult than they originally probably thought, especially with the absence of Patrick Beverly. I think his defensive mindset would have been um, a good suffocating issue against Jamal Murray, but now that that's gone and the backcourt is somewhat limited, especially when the point guard position, um, Jamal Murray may may not have as many struggles as he would have if he was playing against Patrick Beverly. Um, I think it's and – and the fact that Clippers have a little bit, bit of an edge from a rest perspective, I still love their their bench a lot more than Denver's right now. Um, they have a lot more options, I feel like, especially veteran options that can fill those voids when needed uh, compared to a young team like Denver. Um, but it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a really tight series, um, especially if the stars like like Paul George, you know, begin to struggle some more uh, throughout this throughout that playoff series. Uh, it's gonna be very interesting to watch for sure. But I think the Clippers got the bit of, a tiny bit of an edge right now. I, I think the Clippers are definitely the still the prohibitive favorite. I think it's just a matter of Paul George dictating whether they win in five, six, or seven games. I think it's just as simple as that. Mm. I, I, yeah, it's, it's that's probably what it's gonna come down to. I hope that George isn't, you know, that these that nothing comes back up with him, and that he could at least play his, you know, regular brand of ball. I don't know if he's gonna be playoff P, but you know, the way that he was struggling in that first round was ridiculous. From you know until that game five or so, you know, so you know, hopefully he doesn't have to be a scapegoat or anything in the series. But like, yeah, I agree with you, Drew. If he if he just plays what we're capable of seeing them play, you know, it, it you know you figure Kawhi's gonna be there, and you know I think I think they just have too much depth. Even though, and even though uh, you know Pat isn't gonna be, you know, he's there's gonna be issues with him. They still have a lot of depth in in their in their guard ranks. They have guys they could throw at Murray. You just gotta. If, if you know, hope that he doesn't hit like he was hitting in the first round, and if he does, then you just got to throw guys at him. And there's one, if there's one team that could throw multiple guys at him, is is the Clippers. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, you know, uh, as far as you know, it looks like you know, we'll, it looks like we'll uh, go on for the Clippers overall, expecting the Clippers to win. So and the Lakers on the other side, regardless of what happens tonight. So, you know, it seems like we're destined for that L.A. battle in the Western Conference Finals. Would you, would you guys agree with that? I agree. Yeah, Most yeah. definitely. Okay. I'm, I'm with that. I mean, that's, that's what the season has started with. It might as well come down to that in the West. So, you know, we'll, we'll get to Steve once and for all what, what franchise in L.A. did the better job of putting themselves together and setting themselves up for a t- for a title. So, you know, we'll see we'll see how that goes. We still got to play these games in the second round, but I think that I, I agree with you guys. Battle of LA is uh, you know, kind of elementary at this point. But let's go to the East right quick. And uh, you know, the team that I was mentioning, I think you could guess team that may be sneaking its way into the finals, especially given that Milwaukee is looking like it's it's official now. They're down 0-2, right? Yep. Yep. So you got Boston on the other side, 2-0. Yep. 
knocking down Toronto. Toronto doesn't have what they would have played. If they played regularly, they would have played these games in Toronto anyway. So that would have been bad for them. But you don't have that switch of, of you know, uh, home court advantage. So there's no intimidating Toronto crowd that Boston has to play in front of. They're just playing. And they, they seem to be a loose and productive a team that's left in the in the playoffs right now. Tatum is playing like a, a true star. And Brown is playing with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, you know, focus. And even though he's been one of the guys who's really been had his mind on stuff on the outside, he's still been playing with uh, purpose in, on the court as well. And I, I just really like that Boston team, man. I think if if they keep going how they go, even if even if they face Miami in that, you know, we know how much a disruptor Miami is and how much they're planning to be. But I think I might have to favor Boston in any series in the East going forward the way they're playing right now. You, you guys agree? Or, or, or are you more on Miami? They're stifling, man. That Boston team's defense is just stifling. And I, I didn't expect – not that Al Horford is a defensive legend at all, but <laughs> they I thought they were a better team with him than without him. But I remember watching Daniel Tice a couple years ago and just hearing some of the things that players were, um, the commentators were saying about him. I remember Chuck in particular really liked him as a player. And, you know, no matter what people say about Charles Barkley, he's a player who can judge talent fairly well from his position. And Tice, in the way that he plays, along with the Time Lord, Robert Williams, they got a nice tandem at the big four and five spot. And Tatum, my God, Philadelphia is throwing up every night that they lost Jason Tatum. They got to be. They absolutely have to be. No disrespect to Markel Fultz, man, but that was supposed to be Sam Hinkie's golden child, and now he's in Boston. It's F Boston for life. You know, it, it just is. It is F Boston <laughs> until I go in the ground. But F damn, Canada and F Boston, huh? You know, that's a tough team. Look, I don't, I don't have disrespect for Canada. I don't know who came out with that. I want to say that I apologize if I ever disrespected Canada from Saskatchewan, Newfoundland. Newfoundland is a whole thing. They're like, that's a weird, that's a weird province. <laughs> but that's South Park. You could blame for that. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's a that's a tough Boston team for sure. I don't know if Miami wins this series. Uh, Milwaukee has to figure some things out again, like they did last year in their second round series where they lost those two games to Boston, but. Miami could Miami could definitely win this with with this two zero lead. They might win it in six or seven, but okay, it's, it's, Chris, it's hard to bet against Boston. Who do you think has the better shot of overcoming the 0-2 deficit, my uh, uh, Milwaukee or Toronto? Milwaukee, just because you got the MVP in Giannis. Um, Pascal Siakam's been so. <sighs> I don't watch as much pro. I don't watch as much MNBA as y'all do, but he's been playing. He's been back to the basket from the three point line, and that's it. I haven't seen any other dimension to his game right now, and he can't succeed that way. He just can't because they could they could double team him as much as they want, and he's not going to be an ex, an elite passer out of double teams. So if you shut down your prohibitive best player, no disrespect to Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam is just in a league that favors his size and position. He's just going to be better. When he's when he's on, if he, they can't get him going, he can't average fifteen a night for them and have them win. So, 
Miami, Milwaukee with Giannis has a better chance of climbing out of a 2-0 hole than Toronto does with their squad. Drew, Josh, what you think about the East right now? Um, I mean, if you know, if, if Miami is able to pull it out and Boston is able to pull it out and those two meet, that's going to be that's, – that's shaping up to be a knockdown, drag them out type series, man. Um, and I still got my eggs in the Jimmy Butler heat basket, man. I think him – you throw him on Tatum, put Crowder on Brown, and you let the chips fall where they may, man. Because um, as, as much as – as well as Tatum has been playing – you know, Butler can cause some people problems. I think T.J. Warren found that out. Not that we didn't know that already. Um, then you got Bam out of Bayou. I know you talked about Tice, but Bam was a different type of center, man, different type of big dude. He, he can draw Tice out of that middle. Then you lose your rim protection, and you got those shooters just spread around waiting. Duncan Robinson's been putting on a three-point show, man, this, uh, this restart. So I'm still – if they can get past Milwaukee, because like we said – uh, if one of those two teams between Milwaukee and Toronto were going to come back, more than likely it would be Milwaukee. But, man, that, that series could be epic. It really could. Jimmy Butler for president. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was all I was going to say. <laughs> Butler that. Harris. Let's, yeah, let's get Biden. Let's get Biden to play Butler one on one to keep that <laughs> keep that presidential spot. <laughs> oh gosh, that'd be funny. But as but I believe in Jimmy, man. I Kyle, you know this. Chris, you know this. So even when they was trying to trade, and the Bulls was trying to trade Jimmy, I said Jimmy was the, this was going to be a mistake. And clearly, it's sh- it's shown that he it, it's been a mistake. And it's looking worse every year, Josh. It's, every every year. year, it's looking worse. Yeah, but this is actually the home, like Jimmy Butler said, that make that fits Jimmy Butler so well, and it, and you can see it. Um, he lives in that Miami Heat DNA, and it's it's showing. I I think that's really tough to go against. And obviously, you got Boston doing doing their thing. I mean, when you have Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown all going off at once, I mean, pick your poison. That's pretty much how it is with that Boston office, especially Jason Tatum. T- Jason Tatum may be on the verge of being like this generation's this like this young generation, our generation's Kobe. He's gonna be. I think he's on the way to being like our, our Kobe, and I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Hold on, hold on. Josh said our generation. Josh said our generation in room with all of us over thirty. So we we got to back up. They, they ain't my generation. I, I, I actually had Kobe. I think he's he's he's, he's going to be eventually the next Kobe. I, I I think he's on the verge of that for sure. So. Um, to see his game progress the way that it's progressed, um, along with Jalen Brown, man, Boston is going to be is obviously, especially defensively, they're really tough. But Miami got some dogs, and that this, and you can tell they're doing, and they're doing it against the best of the best um, yeah. with Milwaukee. So because of that, I think it's a good matchup. But I, I I can't go against Jimmy Butler, especially since we know what Jimmy Butler really brings to the table. And it's so interesting because, like, you know, I I evoked 2010 again, and I think you could look at 2010, 2009, 2009. I'm, I don't know why I'm speaking like that, but those years were years where LeBron was supposed to break out and bring his team back to the finals and solidify himself as the best, as the as the best winner in the league, if not the best talent. 
He couldn't do it. He didn't have, for some reason, he didn't have enough around him. Giannis now is in that same position. And the pressure is ramping up. If they go down 3-0, if they lose that series, people are going to have him out the door, whether he wants to, whether that's in his mind or not. So, you know, before we get out the NBA stuff, you know, what, what do we make of this, man? Like, is, is, it, is it just going to have to be one for Milwaukee, man? Because this is not a good look for them. And they, they're letting, like, they're letting Boston, like I said, they're letting Boston sneak. Nobody was talking about Boston for the finals like that. If Boston could get in that finals in Miami or Miami, could either, either one of those teams could get in the finals that should be a finals that M- Milwaukee had. And it, it's, it's just, to me, it's just like, uh, you know, um, Orlando in 09 and, you know, Boston, the old crickety Boston in 2010. You know, they weren't the, the 08 team, but they, they made it happen again because Le- they you know LeBron couldn't rise to the occasion. You know, but uh, do you, do you, are you guys with me on that comparison? I'm definitely with you on that, man. Um, for sure, that's 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 like a mirror image, damn near. Um, Giannis strikes me as the type of cat that's like extremely loyal. And follow me on this one. Even though he ended up getting a title with the Celtics, we saw what being loyal did to KG's career. Like in terms of the years wasted in Minnesota, quote unquote wasted. He's still a Hall of Famer, no doubt. But I don't. I don't know. Does Giannis leave or does he stick it out and try to see if they can build even more around him and see if that jumper can get any more consistent? I know I know. I hear talk about him I going to go. I'm like, I don't think he wants to stay. Yeah, yeah I, think he, I, I think he wants to stay, but if I was him, I wouldn't. Um, yeah. The thing that the, – the, the, when we talk about LeBron and him leaving – LeBron had to learn from somebody else how to be the alpha dog on the team to take that team to the next level, right? That's why he went to Miami to play with D-Wade. Giannis may have to pair himself with someone that has already been there or someone that is a high talent that's already going there to win that title before he goes back to maybe Milwaukee to try to help them win that championship. Um, it's it's he, he, may, he may need some college years, as, Le, as LeBron James put it when he in his pending letter uh, when he wrote back to, uh, going back to go back to Cleveland. He, Giannis probably needs that extra time to really know what it's like to be around a winning franchise. And that's what Ron had to do with D Wade. I'm not saying that Giannis has to go to Miami. I'm not saying he has to go to LA or Golden State or whoever, whoever the franchise is that has those type of winning caliber uh, cultures. But I think Giannis has to make a has to make that decision on whether or not to be loyal. Because another prime example, just within the offseason that happened was Kemba Walker. Kemba wanted to stay in Charlotte, um, and he made that known. But at the same time, he also knew that he wasn't going to win there. So if he wasn't going to win there, why stay? you got to jump shift. And now you see how he's flourishing with the Boston Celtics and how that future is looking. So Giannis has, is in that same boat. He has to come to that type of decision, and I think he wants to stay. But if I was him, you got to get out of there, bro. you got to go somewhere where you know – Winning basketball is their DNA, and there's only very few select franchises that have that. Chris, you got anything for that before we jump into WNBA? 
not much other than um, it's it's hard to disagree with Drew. I mean, Giannis spent um, some lean years in my in Milwaukee to start his career. Like we said, he's got that iron in his spine from getting run over by the Bulls um, and probably the Pacers a little bit too. But the Bulls were were always Milwaukee's like bully in those early years. I still go back yeah. to him just hauling off on Mike Dunleavy in that playoff yeah. game. Yeah. And so I know that he wants to win in Milwaukee for that reason alone, but I I I don't know if this is if this is more on ownership or management or just or or Mike Budenholzer or Budenholzer or or what. But I don't I don't see I don't see them winning a title with the team around him. Chris Chris Middleton had a better game tonight, but he's he's not a second fiddle in the same in the way that you really need a second fiddle to be. And again, y'all watch more y'all watch more pro basketball than I do, but I just I've always seen him as a shooter. He's like an he's like an accelerated and I hate this term, 3 and D guy in in my opinion. Eric Bledsoe isn't that guy either. So, who's that guy on Milwaukee, right? They need that to win the finals, and it's about winning the finals or nothing for them at this point. Even though, you know, they made the conference finals. It's not that they made the finals yet, but they need to win the finals. Otherwise, Giannis has the thing so wide open for him. And there's a bunch, you know, there's a bunch of teams who are willing to fall all over themselves to get that dude. So they, they got to do something. Otherwise, I think he's gone. I, loyalty, like you said, like Josh said, he needs some college years. And in this NBA, loyalty doesn't and honestly shouldn't trump the the getting the chance to get paid and get get um hardware yeah drew kind of mentioned some things like with you know trying you know adding things to his game and everything which are things that i think he's going to naturally do but i think especially if they lose in this round there's going to be more about perception than anything it's not going to be about what he can do himself it's going to be more about what people think about him and what the narrative is that forms around him. And I think unless Milwaukee makes a Hail Mary play and gets somebody that you know, we talking about, you know, getting uh, Harden out of Houston earlier, what if they somehow get Harden to join him for that last year in Milwaukee? You know, that maybe that maybe short of that, he, he doesn't stay in Milwaukee unless they get someone of a similar all pro caliber next to him. Yeah, like I said, they're still projecting. You no, know, they still gotta, they gotta get out. You know, gotta be knocked out in this round. I think, but it may be the case too. Even if they get knocked out of, of the conference finals as well. But there's gonna be heat coming down on Milwaukee and Giannis if they don't at least get to the finals uh, in the bubble. But, but uh, you know, Chris, I know you gotta step out pretty soon, man. But I'll just let you run, man, as long as you want on on the on the sky. You know, I mentioned earlier they took a loss. They're eleven and seven now, uh, but they clinched. They've clinched the spot in the playoffs. Uh, you know, give us some of that old skyhook talk, man. What, what's up with the team, man? And you know, the Vandersloot is still balling. You know, she's a player of the month in in the league. But uh, you know, the the team still it seems like they they're still struggling a little bit more right now than they were at least in the first month of of the bubble, you know, what, what do you, how do you size them up right now? 
Well, they lost Azure Stevens and Diamond yeah. the Shields. And I know y'all know uh, Diamond the Shields has superstar potential, and she's had it since she came in the league. But she left the Wobble for personal reasons. And Azure Stevens, um, who had been out for a couple games with what was uh, listed as just a sore knee, is being evaluated for an osteochondrial condition, and that's knee cartilage. Worst case scenario, man, she's she's in that um, Brandon Roy territory, and that sucks because she's mm. a great player with a lot of potential. But you know those with those those cartilage dis, uh, conditions that are degenerative, and I'm speculating. I want anybody who's watching to know that I'm speculating. It's just worrisome when you hear that, especially for a taller player. She's six foot six. When you get knee injuries and cartilage that just does not repair easily. You, you lose a lot. You lose a lot with mobility. You lose a lot with um, elevation. And that's a good part of her game. So it sucks that they lost those two players. I think that knocks them out of title contention, which is where they were squarely at the start of the season. So their job are to the stars right now. They're going to contend. They're going to make the playoffs. They could win their first two. They could win their first two rounds. They could win their first and lose the second like last year. But it's a blow to that team and to their fans because they are um, – they're ball players, man. They had no business getting it as close as they did with Minnesota tonight, and they still only ended up losing on the last two possessions, if that. Um, Courtney Vandersloot is a fantastic player. She's top five in MVP talk right now, and she should be top five in MVP voting, if not top four. And she had another 12 assists to go along with 13 points tonight. Nobody has averaged as many assists over a four-season span as Courtney Vandersloot has in the history of the WNBA. That's uh, 8.1 to 8.6 to 9.1 to 9.3. And it's, it's not just her. It's, 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 it infects the whole team. They have a lot of turnovers, but a lot of times that's because they're trying to make that perfect pass. And as much as you want them to cut down on the turnovers that they make – for basketball fans, especially those who love this modern-day basketball with the way that um, teams like the Celtics passed in the 80s or Magic's Lakers um, and the Golden State Warriors, the way that they played, the Sky are a team like that when they're hitting on all cylinders. They get breakouts. They find the shooters on the corners at the top. Allie Quigley is a bucket. And so it's great to watch uh, Courtney Vandersloot finally get her due. She's only been in the All-Star game two times in her career of 10 years. She went her rookie season and she went last year. And again, she averaged eight assists both the two years prior and didn't make the All-Star team. So it's great to get the recognition now. Honestly, Asia Wilson in Las Vegas might be having a better MVP season. But if Courtney Vandersloot wins Most Valuable Player, I'm happy, man. She she absolutely deserves it. She's a consummate professional. She rallies the team around her. And for a 5'8 point guard to do that, I mean, she she's somebody to watch. When you talk about con taking control of the game, scoring when the team needs a basket, she does it just about as well as anybody else. When they need a pass to the right person, she does it. When, she, when they need her to just slip around the screen, catch the defense napping, and get to the basket, she does that. So... Case in point, to, to, to make it simple, Cordy Vandersloot should be top two in MVP voting. Sky lost two very important players, and I don't think they're winning a title this year. But they are going to, they're going to make it tough on a lot of teams going into the playoffs. And that's my Sky talk. I'm, I'm with that, man. It's, it's better than we could say for any other team 
outside of baseball right now. They haven't even proven that they could win in the playoffs yet. At least the sky have, you know, have they last year they were a pretty good team and competed in the playoffs. And it's just it's just tough to have to deal with those injuries that they that they're dealing with. Stevens in particular was just turned out to be such a nice pickup from Dallas. You know, it's been nice to see her play out the rest of the season and have a chance to impact that team. But, you know, uh, and of course you say, you know, as you say, the Shields has all types of potential and, you know, look to see what she could do going forward. But uh, it looks like this just is going to be the year for the sky. But I'm I'm definitely looking to see. I, I was I – was, I liked how they played tonight. You know, they were down as much as 18 – and I was, you know, go, going in and out of the game. I was like, oh, man. But, though, they, they came back in their fourth and, and had a short lead for a while, for a little bit. And, you know, like I said, just didn't fall for them. They're tough. They're tough as hell, man. They're a tough team. So They're you know, rotating they, like like seven and eight. And Coach Wade got into yeah. them after the Lynx started the third quarter the way that it was a 14-4 to run. And I thought that was the game. I really thought that was the game. And they ended up coming back and taking the lead at a, um, by two in the fourth quarter. So like you like you said, man, I agree. They're tough as hell. Yeah. So we definitely keep supporting that sky, man. And and you know, they like I say they're playing they're playing playoff basketball. We know that. So it's gonna be a treat to see them uh represent the city again in, in that way. So hey, anything else you wanna get off, Chris, man, you before you gotta go? Um wanna keep shout out any more offers? Keep supporting women's sports, man. I thought the strikes would have gone a little bit longer, but we are where we are. Keep the pressure on the politicians. Okay. You, you want to shout out any more authors? Oh, I mean, keep just – if you haven't bought Nate Marshall's book, buy Nate Marshall's book, bro. That's all I can say. That's my classmate. So I want him to, I want him to be known worldwide. Finna, Nate Marshall, pick it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, you, you, right, so you got to head out, huh? Yeah, I got to see y'all. Appreciate it. Always good. Josh? Chris, appreciate you. The, yo, the youth. Right. Keep, keep bringing up the youth. <laughs> <laughs> much love, C-Breezy. All right, man. Yeah, we ain't got too much more to go. I just wanted to talk a little bulls before we uh, wrap up this session. Um Let's start off with the with the coaching search, man. I, so people are coming up, you know, names are rising up. Not the ones that I think Josh want to see. They it still ain't no Mark Jackson talk. They're not listening. <laughs> about, they're not listening to me. <laughs> I, I know, man. I, I, I got to keep preaching. Out, keep preaching to him. You probably too risque for uh, Reinsdorf, man. Too much from what from the rumors from what happened in Golden State. This is probably too much, man. But yeah, I, 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 that would be a pairing, Reinsdorf and, and Mark Jackson. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Reinsdorf, Reinsdorf. I don't know if Reinsdorf is that spiritual a guy, man. He may just be like, you know, what you got that old? What you got that big old book for under your, <laughs> under your, under your arm all the time? That's that's my Bible. That's my Bible, Ryan. Jerry, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, trying to preach a little word to the guys. But anyway, Kenny Atkinson has popped up as, in some in some posts as being a contender. And um, 
you know, he's 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 a guy that's available now. A lot of guys who who are being tied to the job are still in the bubble. You know, assistant coaches on you know rising assistant coaches on on teams that are you know in the playoffs. People, you know, I'm looking right now at at NBC Sports story. Let me see uh, who wrote it. Uh, Rob Schaefer, of course. Shout out to Rob Schaefer. Uh, Darvin, he mentions Darvin Ham. I guess off of some Woj reporting as well. He cites Woj. Darvin Ham was with the Bucks. Wilson Unsell Jr. is with the Nuggets. Dan Craig is with the Heat. Uh, you know, um, and a couple other. Emi Adoka, of course, has been uh, a candidate for a lot of people for a while. You know, with the Sixers, there. You know, he available now to talk i guess so but i mean you know what do we make of, what do we make of the how this thing is developing you know do you think the bulls are firmly targeting a guy who's still wrapped up with their with their team down in the bubble is that what's taking this so long it, se- it seems like it it seems like it and kind of so this is let us all know that he's going to take his time so yeah you know why why wouldn't he wait to he see this rush yeah 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 and to be honest with you i wasn't thinking about this guy at all before the bulls fire boiling and we started getting news stories about um who could possibly be uh chosen to replace him but i'm just i'm, I'm kind of i'm in love with with west Ensel jr man only from the standpoint of his history with connor Sovis, uh him being with the nuggets and how much uh, AK has harped on this next coach being able to relate to his players and and be about the development of his players, and that seems to be uh, Unsell's uh, mo. Uh, so he he seems like the home run pick, unless you're trying to get a guy who has some more experience as a head coach. Then I guess maybe you lean toward Atkinson. Um, it sounds like Adrian Griffin, that whole little situation with his ex-wife, kind of just threw him off the table. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think I think Adrian Griffin probably wasn't. I, me personally, I just think that was honestly the top person that they would want to go after. But with those allegations, they they, they kind of just turned elsewhere. And like like we mentioned before, AK is not rushing things. He's he's taking his time with this. He's having a he's doing he's going to do his due diligence with each candidate to make sure that he's picking the right guy for this team. And the fact that. He's looking at a bunch of assistants that don't have necessarily any head coaching experience. Shows that he wants to get someone that's fresh that can grow with a young team. He's looking at the he's looking at this as like a long term project. And even though he may like some of the things he likes on a roster, this is a, this is a young roster. It's a young team, and you and you know, sometimes in order for guys to really thrive from a young youthful perspective, you got to have someone that can relate with them at a younger from a younger perspective as well as just even from a coaching perspective, uh, perspective experience-wise. So it doesn't surprise me that names like Darvin Ham or uh, Wes Unsell Jr., Adrian Griffin even, you know, name Imei Doku, names that don't have coaching experience, but they have respect across the league. Um, it doesn't surprise me that they're going after those type of guys. And honestly, Kenny Atkins, isn't, he's not a surprise either. I mean, he did help turn – that Brooklyn Nets franchise around and made D'Angelo Russell an all-star. Um, they made the playoffs this year without Kyrie and KD before he got fired mm-hmm. or, or supposedly mutually parted ways. So you got to give 
uh, credit to Kenny Atkinson too, as far as the coaching uh, perspective. But either way it goes, whoever they pick, it shows that they want this coach to grow with this team. How that is going to affect long term, especially the year, not this upcoming season that they're that they're preparing for, but the 2021 into the 2022 season. How that's really going to play a role, especially with, since that's the year they're going to have a lot of cap space for free agents, especially potentially superstar talent. That's that that remains to be seen, but at, at least right now they're thinking if it, whether we get anybody in free agency or not, we're going to make sure that this young core that we have is going to continue to grow and develop in the way we want it to go. We want to do it with someone that is fresh and new with the system that we're that we're already implementing within the franchise. In regards to that young talent, and given that the Bulls are expected to bring in another young person, and you know at at number four of the draft right now. You know, is it? Do you th- how important do you think it is that the coaching decision is made before the draft? Because you know, I, especially I would say it, with the previous regime, they did a bad job towards the end, post uh, you know, uh, post Thibodeau of matching up their coaches with the young talent that they had, which led to a lot of stagnation with player development. So. You know, AK, of course, is is heading up the the drafting process. The, the pick is essentially his. You know, I don't know how much Everest he's going to be involved with that or not, but is is AK's show, the draft is. But do you think it's going to be important that he has a coach that is, you know, in, in line with what he's going to want from the no, the newly drafted player as well as the young talent that's already there? You know Kobe and uh, you know whoever survives past this off season, be it Kobe or uh, Carter and Laurie and you know Zach. You know what? What do you what do you think about? Like I say, there yeah, is it is it going to be important that the coach is in place before the draft? Essentially, I would think it's important, but it may not be because. If AK has the ability to hire the coach that he wants, he may put together the roster that he wants to see which coach best fits the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, you probably—I mean, most times when you see head coaching positions, you would assume that they will hire the coach, like you mentioned, Kyle. They'll hire the coach first and they put the best roster that they can to fit with the head coach. But with AK running this new regime, being running this new regime now, he may be trying to set the culture already as is, as far as which way he may want the offense to potentially be ran and which players can fit that potential offensive motion. And based off of that, you actually utilize that to help bring in the best coach you think that can work with that system. Um, that's something we've seen a lot within the John Paxson era. Um, that's something we could potentially be seeing now, which is in a different way. So it may it may not be a bad thing, depending on his vision and how he wants to see this see this team grow and develop. It may or may not be a bad thing if he gets a coach, whether whether he gets to the coast before or after the draft, but with what AK did say, this is going to be a due diligent process. So I won't be surprised if he waits even even up to the last week of the regular season before he hires a coach and then brings them in and they figure out who to draft within a week later. So it's 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 something that's up in the air, but I won't be surprised if it goes that route. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, Josh. I think that um, it's not as much of a big of a deal as it might be for another franchise because we have a GM who kind of already knows, it seems like, what type of offense he wants to be ran. 
so that kind of solves a lot of those issues already because now he can just he can pick the player who he feels is going to best fit with the team that already exists and then bring the coach in who he thinks can best. Like you said, it's going to bring the coach that best can run that offense or, or get that offense to, to move how it needs to uh, how it needs to to be successful, which is that's going to be interesting. I, mean, I want to see what this new regime with this new head coach when he comes in, what they can do with this offense to liven it up, man, or at least make it, you know, sing a little, a lot better than it, than it did last season. I know injuries played a big role. Um, it's just amazing that Zach had, he put up these outstanding numbers, but I still don't know if he can, I don't think he can be the number one, but we won't be able to solve that problem until what, 2021, like you said, Josh, when we got some more cap space. So still got some some work to do, some praying to do that injuries kind of go by the wayside this next this next upcoming season. Cause we didn't even get that group, that nucleus together very, very much. Um so I think they they as compromised as as formed, I think they you know had a shot at getting at least one of those last seeds. Um in the playoffs, but this se- this season coming up, with you know uh, the teams that are that are in the bubble right now, um, with Brooklyn getting bolstered big time with KD and Kyrie, the best they probably can hope for is like eight going into this next season. When I was looking at it, like just in my opinion, so it'll be interesting. Well, you look play. at yeah. you look at the the Wizards. You know they're not that intimidating. They like we talk, we said a, a couple shows ago, they fell behind the Bulls, even though the Bulls weren't in the bubble. So, you know, you got them, you got Charlotte, who's going to be picking a pick ahead of the Bulls, so they may get someone with value to add to their add to their group down there. But yeah, I, there, I think I, there's a chance that they could get an eight if they're if they're being run right. You know, like, like I said, they were they were pretty much ten or ten with by far the worst coach in the league this year. So, you know, if they have a halfway decent coach, you, you figure they could at least jump two spots in the East, you know. Who knows? But with that said, before we go, you know, let's look at the draft right quick. Who's 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 your ideal guy right now? This these things can change from week to week, but you know, who who's the who's your guy would you want to see added to the mix right now at at four, or, or or if they have to make a trade, you know, what do you, what, what do you think would be the ideal situation right now coming out of draft night? That's tough to say, man, because <laughs> that's so <laughs> tough to say. But I will say this, though. If there's anyone that can pick it anywhere in the draft, AK is the guy to do it. Um, And it his, and he has the record to prove it. I Believe mean, in AK. Really, I believe in AK. I mean, he drafted and developed Michael Porter Jr. He drafted and developed Bo Bo, and look at them now killing in Denver. Um, he drafted Jamal Murray and Jokic, and put that pairing together, and they and they developed into a nice tandem to where we just got done talking to them earlier in the show and how they're going to be taking an extra step in growth um, with this playoffs and the bubble. So. AK knows how to find and develop talent. That's one of the reasons why the Bulls got him, brought him into the, into, you know, that's why they hired him. It's because mm-hmm. of his connections to the to the European circuit. It's because of his great, his, his good spot on eyes for talent. And 
this is it, so this is this is ideal for him. This situation it's ideal for him. What the Bulls should do though, I hope they get. I really hope they um, cater to the wing spot. They need more wings, especially two way players. When you're talking about someone that can shoot the ball offensively, especially from three, but also is a great defensive player. And they need they need a lot of a lot of those, and then this draft doesn't really cater to a lot of that, um, mm-hmm. especially early on. So it's interesting to see who he picks. But I think the Bulls eventually want to try to make try to do, move some things around to see if they can cater to that. Unless otherwise, you're going to rely on Otto Porter pretty much to stay healthy for the rest of the year, and that's a far that's a far conclusion that you may that you want to have right now as a Bulls fan. So it, it's tough, but yeah. whatever it is, I believe in AK, and I think he's going to do a good job with it. Yeah, I kind of fall in line with you, man. I don't. I'm not in love with anybody in this draft. Um, I've been hearing some good things about Tyrese Halliburton, maybe playing the you know the Bulls getting him and him playing the one, uh, but also heard that uh that's kind of higher than where he probably should be but it might be the best fit for the bulls i don't know if ak is gonna if he if he'll pull the trigger on a window carter or a lloyd marketing trade this quickly um so i think that would kind of wash away any any thought that they might pick up james wiseman um in that type of scenario but like you said, I think AK's track record speaks for itself. And I think you already said he's, he's going to pick the best player, right? Not necessarily the best fit, but the best player. So we'll see, man. We'll see. Who, who do you think they, they should get, Kyle? Well, I think if you're looking at the wing situation, uh, the, the European kid, Danny, might be the best player to fit in what they're doing. But you may not want to pick him at four. I, actually, I, I don't think you want to pick him at four. You may want to try, trade down to get him. Uh, it's unfortunate that we talked about how AK has been able to find diamonds in the rough in the draft, and he was able to rely on the stupidity of teams like the Bulls who didn't get Michael Porter Jr., so he was able to pick him up. So – you know, I was thinking about teams that was as stupid as the Bulls, and you have the Kings, but the Kings aren't high enough in the draft this year. So you look at the teams ahead of the Bulls, you don't really have any suckers. No, the Warriors definitely aren't suckers. Minnesota isn't that suckery, and they're pretty much in – because they're one, they have all the options. And you look at Charlotte, maybe you could suck a Charlotte, but it's only moving one pick up. So it's like – I would say if they stayed at four, you probably would hope that Edwards or, or Lamelo drop. Because I think if you don't if you don't go for the wing, you you might want to go for point guard, and Lamelo could be something special running the up tempo offense here in Chicago, with uh, you know flanked by Zach and Cody, Kobe. I mean. And uh, or you could go like Drew mentioned it to Halliburton, trade down and get Halliburton, and have him run the offense. And again, you you having you having a deep you're deepening and making the backcourt much more better than it is right now, probably on both ends of the court. So I that's that's those are two places I would. I would, I would actually would like Wiseman, but they'd have to make a deal to get either Carter or 
Lori out of out of Chicago or both. And which, which one would you which one would you rather give up? If you if you know you're getting Wiseman, who would you rather see go? I would probably lean towards Carter actually, because Carter is more redundant than Lori if you have Wiseman. So mm. you know, with Lori, you can at least use Lori as a spacer. You know, Lori could shoot at whereas Carter is mostly there for interior defense and rebounding and post play. So and that's you can get all that with Wiseman and poss- possibly at a bigger clip because he's, you know, just a more physical presence. So, yeah, I probably will lean to Carter. Even though I like I like Carter, I, I have nothing against him. I think he's more promising than Laurie right now at the moment. But, you know, that's who I would. And, you know, he has he probably has more trade value as well. So, you know, that's I'm, – I'm leaning more towards – like I said, overall leaning more towards the Bulls picking – trading down actually and I, I have more confidence in AK to do something that you know closer to a fleecing than we could ever think of uh Gar Pax doing because they were usually on the other side of being fleeced. So you know that's <laughs> I like you know in general I'm I'm like I'm, I'm with you Josh. I have faith in AK. This is his first draft. He he's he has to prove us wrong before we have to feel bad about him he's done he's done good so far he's been a good enough luck charm to get us out of the seventh spot and we may have to trade back to the seventh spot ironically to get the right guy for us but if we're doing that with ak you know maybe it's the right move so you know you know yeah just imagine if Lamelo came to chicago we would have lavar ball (laughs) and espn non-stop you know what i mean that would be crazy. We'll have a lot of fun if that happens, man. We because because did you see you see uh they did like a little feature on on Lamelo ESPN did a week or two ago, and um, I forget the reporter, but he he talked he talked to Lavar, and Lavar looked like he was gearing up, like he was he's like you know I, I got I got a son who may be number one now. You know he gonna come out if he if he, if he go number one, Levar gonna be in everybody face talking trash, man, for the next year at least. He gonna be geared up for real. He gonna he gonna send it up for real if, if that boy go number one. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. I mean, even if he comes to Chicago, like it's not New York, but Chicago, yeah. Chicago. You know what I mean? And oh, he gonna, we already talked trash about MJ. Yes, yes. He gonna be calling for a Lamelo uh, statue the first day <laughs> before before he play. He gonna be like, "Well, you ain't got a statue for my boy. You gotta put one in front of the stadium right now." He gonna average thirty. He gonna average thirty twenty in team. Yeah, no, right? And he gonna and he gonna say, "We gotta remove MJ and put mine. Mine gotta be. I gotta replace MJ." I can be one on one. I can right. be one on one. So because of that, you gotta get rid of his and put mine there and put it next to my put boy. M- put put MJ back inside, back outside. Put me in the lobby. Right, man. What y'all think about these uh, rumors about um the Bulls trading for Ben Simmons? I, I hate it. But what y'all think about it, man? I, why do you hate it, Drew? <laughs> you you like you you like uh you like you like the homie uh Eugene McIntosh. He you, you call him them Ben Ben 
Ben Simmons, B E N E E N. I love his defense. I love everything except for that shooting, man. Like, and so in the rumors that I saw, we were giving up Zach to get Ben, and I don't think that's for what. So you're getting, man. you're basically getting the worst Philadelphia team because we don't have an Embiid in the middle. Um, that been some goofy trade rumors around. Yeah, ben. True, and he's coming off an injury, and it's just it's still it's crazy to me that this dude just will not shoot anything outside the paint, man. I mean. You just put you put the defense. You give the de- you give the defense. Um, you help the defense out so much when you know that this dude just ain't gonna shoot. He's not gonna pull from a certain distance, and it's just you, I, I just uh, I don't like it, man. I, unless unless they talk about something else than Zach, then maybe we can talk. But nah, man. I may be more inclined to trade for Embiid than Simmons. Even you know. Even though Embiid has his issues, he's more of a complete player. He t- he can take jump shots. He t- he may take them t- too many at times, but he he'll take jump shots. You know, and and you know he's he's like he's a he's a dominant player potentially. And if if there's some way that you could keep uh, Kobe and and Zach with him here, then I think you have a you have maybe a top four or five team in the east as soon as you put them together yeah man you talk about a guy needing help and be it out there on the island too without simmons man yeah it depends a lot's going to depend on what decisions philly makes mm-hmm. who they who they invest themselves in are they who they side themselves with us you know Embiid or simmons i don't yeah i don't know if the bulls are going to be in the mix with that a lot of people like I say a lot of people because of the situation the Bulls are in, they figured them to be a team on the market. But it, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. It, it would be really interesting if they put themselves on the line and, and get one of those guys. It'll be a move that it'll be it'll be one of those moves that I think would be sort of reminiscent of the Bears trading for Khalil Mack. Mm. It'll be like we're it'll be them saying it'll be the Bulls making a statement with a trade like that. Yeah, and they would probably almost have to give up that fourth pick as well, and and some deal like that if they did it before the draft, you know. Sure. So I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But if, like I said, if I had to, if I had to pick one of those Philly guys, I would be more inclined to trade for and be than Simmons. Oh, I'm with you. But I, I'm not, I'm not that down on Simmons because if you put him in the right spot, he doesn't have to shoot. He does everything else so well. You can't do without him shooting in the right spot, but he does have to shoot more. Yeah. That's that's a you can't argue that. Yeah. I choose no. LeVar Ball. <laughs> what? Have, have, have Ben Simmons called LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball will get a jump shot right. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. LeVar, LeVar have him. LeVar have him shooting uh, 60, 80, 90. <laughs> I'm throwing stuff out here now, but could you could you imagine Embiid and Harden playing together? That somehow could be worked out. Two Do you guys think Harden, Harden going to Philly or, either, or either or just just the fact that those two guys need something like the other guy, you know? I, I feel like Russ would hate playing with Ben Simmons. <laughs> I just feel like he would hate him. He's gonna pass in the ball, Ben's ain't gonna shoot, and then before Russ, Russ is gonna get in his face. Like do something. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that would not go. I feel like that would go wrong. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think that would work very well either. But I, Embiid might work, though. But it, they probably have to get another. I don't know who they'd have. Like, they'd have to switch their whole philosophy because Embiid is, is taller than, like, three of the guys they got playing center right now. And, you know, you, you go stack them on top of each other. They're not as tall as Embiid. But, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of interesting stuff that could happen resulting from, you know, we, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, uh, about Giannis and, you know, the league just, it, it been, it, it's just does such an awesome job at manufacturing drama in the offseason. And this one is going to be as weird as anyone, any offseason we've seen because of the timing and everything. And, you know, who knows? how soon they're going to try to get back on the court after these playoff games are ended. But, you know, a lot of teams are going to be under pressure because, you know, we, we got teams who they've been a lot of expectations, but they haven't come through, you know, uh, Milwaukee, Philly, the, the LA teams always under pressure. Uh, 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 Houston, like I say, Houston is under pressure. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting, man. Golden State's gonna want to get back in the mix, you know. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of heavy hitters out there, man. So that's what that's why it's great to have a basketball podcast so we can keep up with it, you know, week to week. And uh, you know, we're back at it, man. As long as they keep playing games, we're gonna be back at it. So let's uh, we're gonna wrap it up for this week. You know, and you guys got anything else you want to get off of your minds before we head out? Uh, it's like always, man. Just take care of your what, what did uh Marshawn Lynch say? Take care of your chickens. Take care of your chickens. <laughs> yeah. Take care of your chickens out there. Keep you know, keep yourself keep yeah, you know, keep keep yourself on an even plane, man. Stay on your square as they used to say. Yeah. And uh you know, try try to enjoy these games, man. Uh Houston and OKC just got going in the second half. And uh, it's a tight game, so two-point game. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And uh, next week we'll be able to talk about the second round, uh, you know, exclusively because all the games, every every series would have started by then. And we'll see how things size up, man. Maybe maybe one of those top two Eastern teams may be out the door by then or, or close to it, you know. So we got uh, next week should be def- definitely an interesting show. But uh, also, I want uh, before we go, I want, I want you guys to, uh, you know, lo- all y'all who listen to this and everything, watch us, you know, uh, watch out for. I sh- I'll try to have it up in the next day or so. Uh, I'm doing a series of interviews with uh, media from teams that got eliminated from the bubble. So, you know, I'm a little late with this, but we just I'm a, I'm gonna put out the a series that we did with people. Who got eliminated before the playoffs started so you know we're gonna work on the, the first round eliminations uh in the next week or so but i got we got interviews from washington uh phoenix uh new orleans which josh did and um uh, what's the last one uh oh uh memphis my man evan barnes in memphis uh got some great great people to talk that talked with us and uh, you know, definitely look out for those interviews coming up uh, by the end of the week uh, on War on Anchor. Uh, where I'm gonna package them together nicely as a separate 
special running with war thing. And uh, no, this show will be out as well by uh, the end of the week, uh, the podcast version. And you can already see us, of course, on YouTube. So, you know, keep following us, keep supporting uh, Drew and Josh. Uh, look out for them. More stuff from them on the website. Josh got another ITS coming up uh, this week, right? Yes, sir. I had Michael Walton, editor of Bulls Confidential, come on talk about, talk about all things Bulls from the head coach to trade rumors to draft, and he actually gave a good some good draft insight. Mike's a drafty type of guy, so um, we definitely got a lot of good in, intel for the you Bulls fans out there. So be on the lookout for that this week as well. Mike is a is a War Media uh, alumnus. Yes, sir. So uh, yeah, look out for that, and. Uh, yeah, look out for Josh's is ITS every week in the scope. You can listen to him uh, on War on Anchor, and let's and you can listen to him live on the Sports Zone Chicago app as well. Uh, follow Sports Zone Chicago for more information on on that, how to download that, and everything. But uh, you can listen, you know, if you want to listen to him on demand, you listen to him on on War on Anchor, and um, as we can listen to all our good stuff week to week. But, uh, yeah, that's it for now, man. I'll let y'all go. Enjoy the rest of the uh, Houston-Oklahoma City game. Y'all enjoy the rest of y'all week. Yes, sir, most definitely. All right. As always, keep bouncing, y'all, and uh, enjoy the rest. Keep uh, enjoying these playoffs and always speak truth to power and, you know, keep uh, keep fighting, man. Keep fighting out there, y'all. All right.